They knew in order to be successful, there were certain knowledge and skills that we needed to have. We needed to know how to facilitate. We needed to know how to train. We needed presentation skills. There's a whole set of things that they knew you're not going to be able to accomplish what we're telling you to accomplish without these skills. And we're not going to assume that you walked in having them at the level that you're going to have to have them to perform. So they heavily invested in us. What it did is it basically created a level of excellence they weren't going to get otherwise. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome. I'm really glad you're here. Welcome back to another version of Management Development Unlocked. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. One, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share the show with just one person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have a special guest. I have Deb Zahn with me. Welcome to the show, Deb. Who are you and what do you do? You bet, Eric, and thank you so much for having me on. I am delighted. So I am actually two things out in the universe, at least in the work universe. So I am a practicing consultant in the healthcare world in the U.S., and so what I do is I help organizations primarily, sometimes companies as well, generally at the leadership level, make decisions, get unstuck, and be able to move forward together, which is not always easy to do. And then on the other side, I am also, I have a company called The Craft of Consulting, where I help fabulous consultants figure out the business side of it so that they can ultimately have the business and life they love. And full disclosure, I'm a client of Deb's. I'm not just, I'm not just the president. I'm a client. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember those commercials? Oh, I totally remember those. Yeah. So I was referred to Deb by a mentor of mine through the Association of Talent Development. And now Deb and I have been working together for a year. Yeah. yeah. This month is a year. And I've gotten tons and tons of value from our relationship. And so I wanted to have Deb on to, to share her wisdom on leadership and management. And so here we are. Wonderful. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. So this show is going to be a little different because normally I've got a raft of questions that I ask around management development. And instead, we're just going to riff on leadership and riff on consulting and, and kind of go where the conversation takes us, which I think will be a lot of fun. So just to get us started, under the guise of the umbrella of leadership and management, what are you seeing in companies and organizations and what's working and what's not working? Yeah. So, you know, one of the benefits of being a consultant is we we get a we get a look under the hood in the way that a lot of other professions can. And we get to see things that a lot of other professions can't. So one of the things that I see that is that is I think the Achilles heel of a lot of organizations and companies is it's almost this unspoken assumption that if you put a bunch of human beings together everything should just work out (laughs) and they'll figure out how to work together. You know, if you give them a little structure, a little hierarchy, everybody knows what that means. We'll put them in teams. We'll be, you know, hopefully somewhat clear (laughs) about what we want. And then things should just sort themselves out. And, you know, I think you and I have, have certainly come in at different points of the process when things aren't working out or when, you know, if somebody has the wisdom to try and get out ahead of it. But, you know, that's not how, that's not how it works with humans. 
gosh, bless them, (laughs) but that's not how it works. And sometimes and often they need help to figure out how is how how are we actually going to work together? What are we doing together? Uh, what skills do we need to develop more? How are we making decisions together? Sort of dot 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 all of those things that make or break an organization or company's success, but that often don't get attended to. So, can you be more specific? Like, is th- is there something in particular when you walk into a client and you've got different clients than I do? I mean, you, you yeah. tend to plan you tend to plan healthcare. I tend to plan in in tech and so on. Yeah. You walk in and what sorts of function or dysfunction are you seeing? Yeah. So again, I've been doing this for a very long time, so I've seen a lot. So often it shows up right at the beginning. So if I'm meeting with a group of of leaders and it could be the very top C-suite leaders, it could be a step down, it could be a, a mix of those. And they're talking about something that they want to accomplish or a problem they want to solve. And nobody's raising their hand in the room and saying, we don't all seem to be describing the same thing, (laughs) or we don't seem to even agree on what the problem is, or we don't seem to agree what the solution is. There's sort of a normal, they've normalized within the culture that there's just misalignment and they just keep on moving forward. So sometimes it shows up right away and you see that. Sometimes it doesn't show up right away and you think, well, this is going to be easy peasy. And then you start watching how teams function or teams don't function. And teams are where I see a lot of things break down, particularly when you get down to the level of what I call the doers, not the deciders, but the doers. And they've been generally put together, not always clear why. (laughs) They've been given some instruction about what they're supposed to do together, but maybe everybody doesn't agree because it's not really clear. Maybe they're well-resourced, maybe they aren't. But it's often, if, if I don't see it right at the beginning, as soon as I start having to try and get work done with a team is when things often start to break down. Okay. So I'm hearing a lot on teams. And it was funny, as you were talking, I was remembering the new hire video from the first tech company I ever worked at in Silicon Valley. And all the executives were interviewed, you know, and very high production values and all of that. And they're all in this video talking about how great this company is. Yeah. And one of them, I'll never forget this guy. I I won't name him, but he talked about how, you know, we're just, we just don't have time for politics. We don't have time for politics. It's just not, it drains energy and we just, just don't have time for that. And I remember people in the back of the room rolling their eyes, like, come on. Like, of course there are politics here. And this these are people who are relatively new. Yeah. And maybe had been in the company for a few days or maybe a month, but they'd already seen politics. They'd already seen they'd already seen all the things of, that people do when they're trying to stake out their territory. So right. even though you've got a very powerful, very senior executive saying, We don't do politics here, it's like, well, of course you do. Yeah, always. It's <laughs> as soon as somebody starts to instruct you what mugs you're allowed to use and not use in the <laughs> in the kitchen, that's generally how you know that politics are in play in some way. But I remember at an organization where I worked, we got we got a similar inspiring video with the really cool background music and stuff like that. What I later found out when I worked there is that I happened to have a front row seat of how all the leadership didn't get along. So it was a very great, slick video, but everybody's lived experience every single day is that it wasn't like that. But then they were supposed to function at a high level and it was really tough for them to do that. 
Yeah, that but makes the, sense. But the one thing I would say I would, is, and again, this is when I worked in more corporate, large organization, they invested in us. And that's where I would give them full credit is they knew in order to be successful, there was there were certain knowledge and skills that we needed to have. We needed to know how to facilitate. We needed to know how to train. We needed to know, um, trying to think, oh, uh, presentation skills. There's a whole set of things that they knew you're not going to be able to accomplish what we're telling you to accomplish without these skills. And we're not going to assume that you walked in having them at the level that you're going to have to have them to perform. So they heavily invested in us. And what it did is it basically created a level of excellence they weren't going to get otherwise. And interestingly, sort of that teamwork that we had to do, that helped level that playing field so that you know, you knew if somebody was coming on and you were co-presenting with them that that they were actually going to be able to hold their own because they had received the same level of investment that you had. You know, I've, I've experienced the same thing again in Silicon Valley, where we actually had a corporate university. Uh, in fact, wow! I remember the director of the university literally walking around in a tweed jacket with elbow patches. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't think she was kidding. I think she really meant it, you know? Oh, so it wasn't ironic? Like- it wasn't ironic. It was just part of her wardrobe. And she was the, she was the headmaster of the, of the university. But it was a massive investment. I mean, just think about back yeah. in the day, you needed training rooms to do all of this. And we had six huge training rooms. To, to do all of our training in. And we got certified in everything that was current back in you know, 2000, 2001. Wow. Um, we, we were certified in everything so that we could then run folks through these classes. And then we had a model where managers weren't even eligible for the highest evaluation rating unless they took 40 hours of training a year. Wow. Yeah. So people were motivated to sign up and be there. So we kind of generated our own traffic, but it meant that people were highly skilled. Yeah. And it, and what that basically says to me, when I see an organization that does that, is that they care about performance and they're a learning organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, the, and that goes together. And when I see places that ha- have no investment, that basically, look, we hired you, we expected you showed up with this. Now just just do it or just make it work. And they don't put in that investment. Well, then what you sacrifice is you sacrifice performance. Absolutely. Now, interestingly, the other thing I've seen is the overkill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I am thinking of a few folks who it was just, they had, they focused solely on training and they didn't have any rhyme or reason to what they were training people on. So you had everything thrown at you, including things that weren't organizational or weren't related to organizational priorities at all. And so people got trained on things that then there was no opportunity to actually apply them because they weren't actually terribly relevant to what the organization was doing. So that was the more spaghetti against the wall approach as opposed to what I experienced was this very deliberate, we understand what you and your role are supposed to accomplish, and this is what we're going to invest in. Cool. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about one of my gigs in Silicon Valley. We had a few courses that kind of made sense, but then we brought in LinkedIn Learning. One of the, the big sales pitches about LinkedIn Learning was that there were you know 10,000 courses. 
So you were welcome to take anything you wanted, including, you know, if you had a hobby of photography, go ahead, take that course. Oh, wow. So, so it was nice, but it was really unstructured. And I'm not sure if if the company really got what it wanted out of that. Yeah. Like if its purpose was to delight people so that they can learn more about you know, how to grow tomatoes, then that's lovely. <laughs> but if you're actually trying to drive performance, eh, not so much. Yeah. Unless yep. it's tomato-related performance, in which <laughs> case. <laughs> I, I love a good a good tomato, one that's been in the sun. That's right. Oh, yeah. I, living in Seattle, we, we don't really get good tomatoes. We have to import them. Little, little too wet there. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, I, unless we've had too much rain, I get really good tomatoes. Oh, don't. Sorry. Even, I'm don't. so sorry. <laughs> but again, this is where throw everything at people doesn't, I don't think that does anything. Plus you can't go deep. I mean, when I learned how to present, they didn't just say, oh, and here's how you present. Like we got filmed, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was the most terrifying thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how many quirks and twitches you have until you're filmed (laughs) trying to do something. I had no clue. It was, and it was just mortifying, but it's what made us better presenters because apparently we were doing all of these distracting things with our hands and with our body that made it difficult to actually listen to. That's, that's how much they invested in our performance. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Congratulations. Well, it is why it is one of the top performing healthcare organizations in the entire country. There's mm-hmm. a there's a reason for that. Well, let's let's transition to now that we've talked about what we're seeing in organizations and companies, what can solve their problems? So we've 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 talked a lot about training. What else? Well, I think first of all, at the leadership level, there needs to be clarity about what is it so what does performance mean to them? So first of all, let's start on the positive side. What specifically type of performance they're trying to achieve, whether it's bringing in additional revenue or you know, maybe there's other ways that that actually gets measured. And then to think about, okay, then who actually needs to accomplish what within the organization that's going to drive that. And a lot of places don't have that. So they're either not measuring anything or they're not measuring anything that matters, but they haven't even decided what success means for them. But then the next level is to go down and say, okay, who has to accomplish what for that to happen? And then you get to the, okay, and what knowledge and skills and support and systems do they need around them in order to be able to do that? But even that first step of just crystal clarity about this is what success means to us. And I see that missing a lot. Okay. What would you say? What do you think's missing? One of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is empathy and how leaders at all levels, especially line managers, need to bring empathy to the game. Yes. Be- because of what's going on, because people are cooked, they're done. There's so much going on micro and macro around us that you know, it's it's a wonder people. It's a wonder more people don't go home and kick their dogs because they're just fed up. They're just done, and so I think I'm, I'm not suggesting that managers become therapists. Not, yeah, I'm not yeah, suggesting yeah. that at all. But if you're not naturally empathetic, you can learn. You can read Daniel Goleman's book on on emotional intelligence. You can take classes. You can immerse yourself in situations where you're the one who's different. 
and and have empathy that way. So learning how to be empathetic and learning how to really feel with the other person, not to take it on and, and take it off their shoulders, but at least to say, hey, you know what? I'm really listening to you. I'm paying attention to you. You matter. And I want to make sure that you you can perform your job well. Let's let's see if we can't do something about this this monkey that's on your back or that's whatever. Right. That's right. And and I will say I've I still see some old school viewpoints of people are just lucky to have a job and therefore me taking their point of view or having any empathy is unnecessary. And I've I've seen that more than I care to. But I think there is an increase in people understanding that you have to bring uh, empathy and other sort of soft skills and perceptions that involve emotions to the table. But I, I also just watched, it wasn't an organization I work with, implode because of the lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. So this was a well-regarded organization and ED that had you know been there for many years, left, brought in someone new and they lost all of their top talent. Mm. I mean, and, and in a market that is really tough to hire in. So forget, you know, the great resignation in a a geography that is almost impossible to hire really talented people in because there just aren't enough of them. Mm. And you, what didn't happen because the new leader lacked empathy and didn't prioritize it is the first rock star left, nothing. Second rock star left, nothing. And then boom, 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 the dominoes started to fall almost until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a sad thing because this was an organization that does and did really important things. Mm. Yeah, that is sad. Yeah. And it was all empathy, by the way. It was all about people are fried. Mm-hmm. The world that we're all funk trying trying our best to function. I was going to say function, and then I, I'll add that trying our best to function in has gotten harder than it ever has been, and you have to take care of your people, mm-hmm. and that was completely missing. Here's a good here's a good news story. Oh, good. Give me one of those. Yeah. So I just I just wrote the story into the book I'm writing where I had two nice things happen by the same manager in the same company. In 2000, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer, metastatic oh. lung cancer, and she died very suddenly. And we were, my, my family and I were gutted. Oh and my I gosh. went into deep denial and kept showing up at work when I should have been by her bedside. And so my boss said, look, you, you have to go be with her. Don't worry about us. We'll be fine. Come back when you're really ready. Go. Okay. So then she dies and he wrote this really, really nice email out to the extended team saying, hey, this has happened to Eric. You know, let's take a moment and reflect and, and, and think about how grateful we are for Eric and his, and his mom. Please do what you can to help sort of a thing. Wow. So he just, he just went, you know, he could have just said, hey, you know, Eric's had a death in the family and he'll be out for a while. But he wrote this long note and was very personal about it. And, you know, he called me and made sure that I was okay and, and offered to help. And I thought that that was really marvelous. So I was pretty impressed by that and thought that that was the best thing that ever happened to me at work. Yeah. Then I got cancer. And he, by this point, was a senior director. He was super busy, had to wear suits to work all the time now and all of that. And he made a point of coming to see me multiple times and, you know, sit with me and and hang out with me and my dad. 
um, and just be there, you know, and, and sip a drink with my dad and chat. And it was like, you know, you don't have to do this. I understand how busy you are. And he's like, no, I want to, I want to be here. And it was marvelous. And it, it, nobody's no, nobody before or since has shown that level of care and compassion yeah. in, in that environment. And I just, I, I wrote to him today and today I, just, I remember the story. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it sounded legit. Like it wasn't just, oh, and I'm supposed to show empathy now. <laughs> it uh-uh. was because no. you, you couldn't fake, you couldn't fake something like that. That's just beautiful. I've seen things like that. I've, I've had a few things like that happen to me, nothing necessarily on that level, but I mean, talk about loyalty. I would, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, I would, I would do darn near anything for that person because we have a real relationship. Yeah. I mean, that was all 20 years ago plus, and I'm still, I'm still in touch. I still consider him a friend and a mentor and I'm going to hang out with him until, until I just can't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's a special guy. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, I was with a group of folks. I wouldn't say it necessarily came from the the people we reported to, but I had a group of folks once and we were all on the same level and we had to work on, you know, different teams at different times together and there was so much empathy and support among us that if anybody needed anything, you knew that people had your back. And you knew that every single person was not jockeying for the limelight, but that everybody wanted everybody to succeed. Mm-hmm. And it was a rare, rare time to have that. Now, in all uh, disclosure, I married one of those team members. <laughs> but smartest thing I ever did. But it yes. was it was a beautiful time. And and for the organization, I don't know that they noticed it. I don't think that they did anything necessarily to foster it, but there was just something about the mix that was just beautiful. And we did amazing work. We did some of our best work we've ever done together. Yeah. This manager I'm talking about facilitated some of the best teams I've ever been on. Same thing. Yeah. That's beautiful. So I'm so glad you said something good because I I was in the, I wish this could be fixed. I wish this could be fixed. Yeah. I decided to pull this up. Yeah, no. I'll, so I'll give you a good example too of an actual, a recent client. I, I can't name who it is, although all I'm going to do is brag about them. And I've known them for a very long time. And they now have, you know, a new executive director who had been promoted from within. And she's just, she's exactly the right person. It was a perfect choice. And they're really conceiving of the organization in a different way, such that they want to flip their org chart and they want to put the people that they serve at the top of it. And they want to put the leaders at the bottom, but they weren't just saying, oh, we want a different graphic that people can ooh and ah over. They then had conversations about how could they embody that? How would, if people engaged with us in any way, how would they know it was true? And my heart was just going pitter pat because I thought, wow, that's, that is truly trying to say, how can we be servant leaders? And they were Mm -hmm. thinking about not just the folks that they served, you know, who were essentially their end customers, but they were thinking about their, their line staff and how, if they looked at this org chart, would they know that we were telling the truth. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Super impressed with that. Yeah. 
Well, it's that time of the show where we transition and give you a chance to plug any product or service that you would like. Well, so what I would say, um, other than if anybody out there is thinking of being a consultant, <laughs> feel free to, to check me out on LinkedIn. But, you know, the main thing is that, you know, what I do is I help leaders make decisions together so that they can move forward. But I know, and and I'm just going to say it this this bluntly, I know that you actually help organizations function better so that they can do good things together. So my plug <laughs> is actually, if folks need that, they should get help. And they either get help from you or they get help from someone else, but they should get help because these things can be fixed and they can they actually can get better. Empathy, you said it yourself, they can learn it. So if you don't, if you don't have it today, get help so that it starts to be part of the normal way that you function. Nice. Thank you. Shall I mail you the $5? Or? <laughs> yeah, small unmarked bills. <laughs> Send you five envelopes with a dollar each in them to, there you to go. spread it out. All right. Well, thank you. A speed round. I'm just going to ask a couple of these because I'm, I'm looking at the looking at the clock and we're getting close to time. If you were sitting in my seat, and I know you have a podcast, so you you could do this. If you could interview anyone, who would it be and why? Oh, wow, 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 wow. Gosh, I've so I've interviewed about 200 people. So I have I've hit I've interviewed fantastic people, including yourself, which was such a great episode. You know, I would probably oh my gosh, I have this person's name on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember it. I would always go for someone who is just utterly altruistic and trying to be beautiful things in the world. I think I would, and I don't have an exact name, but if there was someone I could have a converse, uh, have a conversation with who had a really deep personal understanding of climate change, that's probably who I would talk to. Well, there's a there's an ex vice president running around. Oh, right Al! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember when that came out. I remember at the end of it feeling like, so what do I do? So I change a light bulb, and, <laughs> and I didn't understand. Sort of tell me the policy stuff. But yeah, somebody who has a real good understanding of what's possible, I think is is who I would want to interview. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, this is going to be fun. What brings you the most joy in your life? <sighs> okay, I have to say I have to say my husband cuz he's probably going to listen. To this. He does. My husband bring me brings me tremendous joy as does my mom who lives right up the road from us. But I would say one of the things that brings me the most joy is is as you know, Eric, I rescue cats and kittens and there is nothing quite as joyful as and I'll give a very specific example of rescuing three kittens out of a collapsed barn mm -hmm. and knowing that because you did and you're going to take care of them and you're going to find them homes that some living being gets to have a better existence because of what you did. Oh, and they're cute. Yeah, they are cute. My daughter, Elsie loves cats and kittens and she, she, Actually, my wife and two daughters all volunteer at the local Humane Society. Oh, nice. And they've roped me into it. So that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's how yeah. it starts, just FYI. So Elsie is not a dog person. She is a cat person. And she loves playing with the cats. So you should she wants, not tell me that. <laughs> she, she wants, I'll fly over there right now with four of them. Oh God. Well, she she wants to drag me into the cattery and help out. And so 
Yeah, because I love my daughter, I'm going to do it, but I'm more of a dog person. I'm more of a... I can understand. I have also rescued dogs, so I understand mm-hmm. that. But yeah, no, I, I like the little the little fluffy ones. But yeah. yeah, that's just so you know, that's how it starts. That's why my husband is neck deep in cats <laughs> as we speak. All right. Well, Deb, thank you. That was a wonderful time. I really enjoyed this. I'd love to I'd love to do a part two to this podcast because I That'd think be we fun. can keep talking. That would be fun. Yeah. How can people find you? So the best way to find me is actually on LinkedIn. If you look up Deborah Zahn, actually my full name, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, uh, you can find my personal page and all the fun things that I post on there. For Craft of Consulting, it's at craftofconsulting.com. And of course, if you're dying to listen to a consulting podcast, you can find me on anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's the Craft of Consulting podcast. And, and Dad, I, I have to give you a plug because I, I got to say of, of all the mentors I've chosen in my, my short time as a business owner, Craft of Consulting has provided the most value. So oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm yep. delighted to hear that. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. 